how sweet is it? How good is it? How amazing is it that in this world we're living in that seems turned upside down, that's turned into madness, that we have a resident God who is right here, right with us, right now. He is for us. Aren't you thankful we have a resident God? He's not way off somewhere. I'm trying to earn his favor, get his attention, cut myself, pray prayers, crawl on my knees, go through penance. I'm thankful that when I say, Jesus, by the power of the cross in the indwelling Holy Spirit, we live and breathe and walk in the presence of God. Amen? The Bible says, in him we live and we move and we have our very existence in the presence of God. So just a quick recap. Let's go to Exodus 29 and verse 46. From the beginning, it has always been the plan of God, Exodus 29, 46, to be close to us. How many are thankful God is for you and not against you? How many are thankful God's looking for a way to help you, not a way to smack you? It's the will of God. God brought an entire nation, the nation of Israel, that had been enslaved inside the borders of Egypt. He delivered them from that. But why? Look at this verse, Exodus 29, 46. They will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I might what? Dwell. Resident. What? Where? Among them, I am the Lord their God. In the old covenant, Christ had not come yet. Sins had not been atoned for on the cross. Man, a sinful man, cannot approach the presence of a holy God. But he wanted to be close to his people. So he brought them out of Egyptian bondage. He gave them a way to be close. They built a tabernacle, then a temple where his presence dwelled in the holy of holies. God wants to be close to us. And then it goes to the next level. See, God's been moving to the time we're in now. I read this for you before, first, uh, John 1 and verse 14 in the message translation. Look at this. It went to another level when Jesus came. The Word became flesh. Jesus became flesh and blood. And what did He do? I loved it. And He moved where? Into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes. See, when, you, when they saw Jesus, they saw God. He represented God to them at a whole new level. Not God residing in behind curtains in the Holy of Holies, but now God in our flesh walked into our neighborhood. And we saw what? The what? The one of a kind. There's not a hundred gods. There's not two gods. There's not three gods. The one of a kind God. And what did we see? The glory like father, like son. When you saw the son, you saw the father, the one of a kind glory. Generous inside and out. True from start to finish. God lived with us. Jesus came. But then he told them after those three and a half years of ministry, guys, it's been great. The disciples loved it. We talked about that glory. But he says, I have to go. I'm returning back to the Father. I've come and I've fulfilled my purpose to die on the cross and shed my blood and become a Savior. I'm not going to dwell here. There, Don't be worried. Look at John 16 and verse number 7. Watch this. Look at this incredible statement. But very truly, I tell you, it is for what? Come on, help me. It's for? Wow. He had been walking along, living in the neighborhood. They saw him. They touched him. They could hear him. He was there. But he said, there's something for your good. It's better that I am going away. What a radical statement. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. So he says, I've been walking around with you. I'm living in your neighborhood. I got right in the nitty-gritty with you. I wanted you to see what God was like. But he said, I'm going back to heaven. But don't worry. I'm not going to leave you alone. 
I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send who? The Holy Spirit. Let's go to, to uh, John 14. The scriptures I have there. Look at this, John 14. If you love me, keep my commands. Keep going. What does he say? What's going to be better here? Next verse. He says, and I'll ask the Father who gives you another advocate. You see that word used in both verses? And what's he going to do? To help you and be with you forever. Now, they knew what it was like for God to be with them, but he keeps going. Look at this. And I will ask the Father, uh, okay, and he'll send the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Watch this. But you know him, for he lives with you, resident God, put on flesh and blood, moved in the neighborhood. But why is it going to be better for me to go back to heaven? Because he will be where? Wow. Radical transformation. Do you know all the prophets of the Old Testament? Think of them. Don't you like to read about Elijah and Elisha? Do, do you like those? I don't, your hero is probably somebody that, you know, raps or plays baseball or football. My hero, come on, my heroes are those bad dudes that go up on a mountain and call fire down. Come on, that's a bad boy. My heroes are Elijah and Elisha and those men. And do you know that none of them, listen to me, ever had the Holy Spirit live in them like he lives in you right now? You know, that's a New Testament thing. The Bible says the Spirit would come upon them, but He never lived in them. Now God, who wanted to be close, and then God, who moved in the neighborhood with Jesus, now that the Holy Spirit has descended on the church, He's the God that lives inside of us. We have an access and a relationship with God that did not exist in any other place until Jesus Christ died on the cross. So it's kind of like this drum cage over here. Look at this. Right now, am I in this drum cage? Am I in it? Am I close to it? All right, I'm close, I'm with it, but I'm not in it, right? Is there a difference? Now see, uh, watch. See, what's inside this drum cage? What's inside a drum cage? Good, thank you. All right, so, so right now, if I want to do something even more intimate, if I want to come in and, and, and touch the gifts and the talents that's in your life, I'm here, I'm with you, but I'm not in you. But when the Holy Spirit was out, poured, watch this, Jesus didn't just hang around. What did he do? I'm with the drum cage. Now where am I? I'm in the drum cage. Now I can do this kind of stuff. See, I can actually get in here and play little drums. I can come in here and do a little thing with you. And so what happens is that when God becomes resident in you, every gift, every talent, every ability, everything on the inside of you, the hand of God hits it. Come on. You know there's stuff in you you don't know that's there. Gifts in you that you don't know that are there. Talents in you that you don't know are there. But when the resident God moves in, what does he do? He restores everything that life took away from you. The sin, the heartbreak, the lies, the discouragement. People may have left you. People may have abandoned you. Your family may have never stepped up and done their job, but inside of you, listen to me, is a heart that wants to love, is a heart that wants to trust, is a heart that wants to believe, is a heart that wants to love. And what does God do? He doesn't just come visit you. He steps inside you and heals the broken, the heart, the weariness, the fear. He takes and puts his hands on that which has been dormant and gives you life better than you ever had it before. Is that amazing? God moves in you. But there's another part of this that I love. Look at this. The spirit of truth, the world can I accept him because it neither knows him. Let's back up until we see that word advocate. I think it is, I don't know, verse 14, 15. I'll ask the Father, he'll give you another advocate. That's the word paraclete. It's translated into English as comforter, counselor, uh, the one called along your side. But I love the way that word is used in the Greek culture of that day. When it talked about warfare, come, come on, uh, come, come over here, Grantland. You need to help me show this. Come over here. Now, Grantland's just a little bit bigger than me. That's why I, that's why I picked him, all right? Look at this. Look, look at this. See, how, how, we're standing back to back. In Greek warfare, 
The warfare that day was what? Hand-to-hand combat? No smart bombs, no missiles, no airplanes. They fought hand-to-hand. And when you're fighting hand-to-hand and your attention is on this guy, it's easy to be attacked from the back. So they trained the Greek warriors who captured the world to fight in twos. And when they would go into battle, they would fight back-to-back. And they learned to fight this way. So while I'm fighting this enemy, this enemy here can't sneak up on me. Do you know what they called this guy that was your partner in battle? Your paraclete, your advocate, the one who goes into battle with you. Now, I like a big guy behind me. Come on, don't you? Isn't the bigger the better? Because you're going to have to really do some fighting to get around him to get to me. In fact, that sword may not reach me, though. So come on. Thank you, man. See, what happens here is this, is that God says, watch this, now that Jesus has come, shed his blood on the cross, open salvation, the Holy Spirit has moved inside of us. So watch this. We get it all wrapped up in one. Now God's inside of you by his Spirit restoring you, healing. How many are thankful he's resident in you? But he's also God with you. See, he's in me, helping me, and he's around me, fighting for me. Do you know the devil has a hard time getting to you if you'll just stay connected to Jesus? How many are thankful for that? See, that's, that's the deal. So what happened? I told you last week, I'm going to complete that message, that God, through the Holy Spirit, is the God of restoration. Human restoration, Webster's Dictionary restoration, says to bring something to its original condition. So we understand that. We, we uh, restore furniture. We restore cars, you know, that, to bring it to the original condition. That's what we can do. But the biblical definition of restoration, remember what it was, is that when God puts his hand on someone or something, it grows, it multiplies, it increases, it becomes better until the end condition is better than it ever was in the beginning. When God restores you, it's better than it was before. How many are thankful for that today? He does that. So restoration does this. Restoration moves into your life through the work of the Holy Spirit. Remember what we studied last week about Adam and Eve, God's original creation. They're in the Garden of Eden. Things are blessed and good. They hear the voice of God. They see the face of God. They walk with him in the cool of the day. He puts them in charge of everything on the earth. The Bible says the animals were brought before Adam and he named every walking and creeping thing on earth. Can you imagine his brain capacity? Do you know that right now doctors tell us that we only function on 10% of our brain capacity? What happened to that? I believe Adam and Eve had 100%. And, and, And sin and disobedience has robbed us of our intellectual ability. So, so here they were, walking with God, spiritually in tune with God, incredibly intelligent, overseeing this earth for God. As they were in relationship with him, they had rulership under him. But then what happened? Adam and Eve decided they knew better than God. He gave them one thing, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for then you'll surely die. And what did they say? Well, you know, the more I look at that tree the better it looks to me. Can I help you out? I know nobody in this room is being tempted, but if you know somebody that is, can you share this with them right now? I know nobody here is tempted to do something crazy right now. I, I heard John Maxwell say recently, they said, uh, John Maxwell, I want to ask you a question. You've had your ministry, been successful. You've helped so many people. You've never had a moral scandal in your ministry. He said, they said, uh, John Maxwell, tell us, how have you kept from, from making mistakes? I loved his answer. Listen. He said, because every day I wake up and realize I'm one step from stupid. How many steps? How many steps? Not a hundred. You know the person who's 
the next person to fall, can I tell you who they are? The person who thinks they got 20 steps before it's too late. I want to say that again. The next person to fall and blow it and pull stupid, pardon my language, is a person that thinks, I got this. Is a person that thinks I'm 20 feet away. John Maxwell says, I wake up every day of my life and I'm one step from stupid. So what happens to us? What happened to Adam and Eve? What happened to you and I? They said, God, we got this, God. We know better. Do you know the longer you look at temptation, the stronger it grows in your life? How many are listening to me? You know what was a little bit of pull on you five minutes ago? There's a big pull on you right now. Everybody with me? You got me? You got me? Temptation only grows. Pull only grows. The draw away from God only grows. And Adam and Eve gave in, and, and what happened? Think about it. We're talking about a resident God. What happened? They had to move out of the garden. They lost their residence. They lost their connection to God. And everything began to turn downhill since then. Do you realize that, that when God created that man, the, the Bible says in Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28, we read it, that we were created in the image and likeness of God. He's, then he said, let us make man in our own image. God pulled us out of himself and created us with this incredible relationship. But if we back up in the creation story, I want you to think about this, that when, when God was ready to create vegetation, he's the creator, but he spoke to the earth. Listen. And he told the earth, produce vegetation. When he was ready to produce a fish, and I've shared this with you before, and all the swarming creatures in the ocean, he spoke to the water and said, let them be. Now, what happens if you pull a plant out of the ground? It dies. Why? You removed it from its source. As soon as you pull that plant out of the ground, it starts to die. If you put it back in the ground before it's too late, it'll start to live again. What happens the moment you pull a fish out of the water? It starts to die because you disconnected it from its source. And if you put it back in the water, it'll live again. What happens when you pull man out of the presence of God? We start to die just like the plant and just like the fish because we weren't made to operate at the highest level living on our own. I may still be breathing and I may still be thinking, but spiritually I died because I'm separated from the presence of God. So his plan and his purpose and his dignity and my identity and the reason I'm breathing on this planet, I lost that when I lost God. I'll never know who I am until I know who God is. Are you with me? If I disconnect from my source, I disconnect from from who I am but God loved us so much that he built a tabernacle in the Old Testament and he sent Jesus during the gospel and now he's poured the Holy Spirit out now who will come into my life and your life aren't you thankful and everything sin and life stole away from us the Holy Spirit is working in your life and mine to not just revive me but restore me not just bring me back where I was make it better than it ever was before and that's the God we serve that's restoration. That's the plan and the purpose of God. That's what God is doing in our life. He's faithful at all times. We can't afford to live disconnected from God. We can't afford to live our lives separated and away from Him. God wants to restore us. Now let me show you some of the things that God does. We, we, didn't, we didn't get to this last time. I'm going to go through this pretty quickly because I believe. Are you, everybody with me? You still listening? This is what God wants to do. I believe at this moment, somebody say at this moment, that God wants to bring restoration in this room. Restore. How many would love for God to make it better than it ever was? See, I, I want to help you. Listen, listen. Restoration is not living your life looking in the rearview mirror. Did you hear me? Restoration does not mean, listen, I'm living my life saying, I want God 
to do this again. I will not be happy until that happens again. I want to help you. The church, and I'm going to come back. Listen, the, uh, the church sometimes misunderstands and thinks revival and nostalgia are the same thing. But they're not. Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I hear people, they say, you know, Pastor, I remember when God did this in my life. And I think if, if we'd put on polyester suits again, huh? And, and, and get a choir in robes again, I don't have a problem with polyester. I, they must have killed a lot of polyesters to make all those clothes I used to see. But anyway, I, yeah, I, I, and you know, I believe if we would put the same color carpet back in the church. Come on, don't shout me down. And, and, and I think if we sang the same song the night I got whoop, blessed, I believe we could have a revival. You're not talking about revival. You're not talking about restoration. You're talking about nostalgia. Restoration doesn't look in the rearview mirror. Restoration says, my God is not confined to what happened back then. If it was good, I'm thankful. But restoration says, I'm going to be better than I ever was in the first place. The glory of the latter is going to be greater than the former. God's going to do it again. And he's going to do it the way he wants to now. So the people that hurt me over here, listen, listen, listen. These people that hurt me over here, they don't have to get right. For God to restore the good things in my life. There's some people that didn't do what they should have done for you. And they may never do what they're supposed to be done for you. But God's not confined to the failure of a human being. God will restore you. Your peace, your joy, your identity, your purpose. And if that person blew it 13 ways, God will release you from their failure. And bless you where you are. And you're in. It's better than your beginning. So stop identifying yourself by what's wrong, by what's broken, by what didn't happen, and begin to say, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. God Almighty lives in me. The limitations came off my life. Restoration is here. Let's look at these real quickly. Let's go to Psalm. My first one is, is Psalm 5112. This is when King David blew one of his biggest, I mean, he, he blew it 13 ways. Psalm 51.12, there it comes. What did David do? He was king. And instead of going out with his army, I wish I had time. I don't have time. See, listen, when you disconnect from your purpose, you create a gap for Satan to come in your life. He was a warrior king. He wouldn't have sit on the throne and, you know, eat sandwiches and the army go fight. No, he's right there fighting giants. and all. He's a bad boy. Anybody heard what I said? He's a bad boy. You think these WWE boys are bad? Come off it. These boys here, I'm going to tell you, run through a troop, leap over a wall, climb in a pit on a snowy day with a line and whip that boy up one side and down the other. Line comes, I mean, a giant, eight, nine feet tall, comes at him with a spear bigger than the beam, you know, in a building. And what does he do? He slaps a spear out of his hand, kills the giant with a spear. Listen, you don't know what a hero is. You, you, you talk about CrossFit. You talk about macho. You, you, you talk about bad to the bone. You talk about the NFL, NBA, MLB. I'm talking about G-O-D. I'm telling you, these, these boys are bad. They're bad. David blew it. He blew it. He sinned. Committed adultery. 
had the woman's husband killed to hide his sin. He blew it. Anybody in this room ever need a second chance? I'm looking. Don't make me preach online. I'm going to look one more time. Anybody in this room ever need a second chance? I didn't say you did what David did, but you, yeah. What does he say? He's praying. Psalm 51 is his repentance. And what does he say? Oh, God. See, the devil's such a liar. Restore to me. Restore. There's the word. That's the Holy Spirit does. Better than it was. Look at this. What? The joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Oh, do you know right now, I, I, I feel the Holy Spirit just gave me a word of knowledge. You're watching me right where you are. What <laughs> that social media thing. And you know why? You, this is so clear. You know exactly. I would say your name, but there's no sense. You know. You know why you didn't come today? Because the devil lied to you and said, it'll never be the same again. And it's probably the only time he ever told the truth. Because it's not going to be the same again. It's going to be better than it was before. And listen to me. God's going to restore your joy. Your joy. You're not going to come to church and look like you drank pickle juice right before you came in from the parking lot. You're not going to come to church and me look at those faces I've seen on medicine bottles. You're going to have the joy of the Lord. You're going to come in here. You're going to have to have somebody hoop, scream, jump, slap, snap, get you to worship. We'll have to calm you down so I can come up and preach. Come on, anybody listen to what I'm saying. The joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord. God wants to restore your joy. You used to serve him. You prayed. You loved. You're happy. You couldn't get enough. And now you can barely drag yourself into church. What happens? The joy of the Lord. God, restore. Restore the joy of your salvation. God will make it better than it ever was before. I'm not trying to get my first love. I'm trying to get my restored love. Come on. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? All right. Come on. Let's go. We got to go. Go to the next one here. Next one. Next one. Next one. Uh, I'm going to go to Psalm 23, 3. All right, Psalm 23. Go there with me. Look at this. Uh, word here, refresh, is, is in the King James translation. Look, it says, he restores my soul. You know what your soul is in Scripture? Your mind, will, and emotion. Do you know that this world will break your mind? Anybody listen to what I'm talking about? Mess your thinking up. Do you know what's hurting a lot of people? Stinking thinking right now. Listen, you, know, you need restoration. You don't need counseling. I believe in Christian counseling. We have them. But you need restoration. Let me help you something. If a baby has a dirty diaper, anybody been around a dirty diaper baby? All right. You don't solve the problem by putting a new diaper over the old one. That's called stinking thinking. Now, some of you dads have tried that, hoping, you know, you could disguise it till your wife got home. But it's not going to work. He's not going to... Put a diaper over your crazy thinking. He's going to give you a mind better than it ever was before. He's going to restore your thinking, restore your precept of life, your concept of life, your perspective. God's going to He restores your thinking. Let's go to the next one. Job forty-two ten. Man, this is this is real stuff here. Job forty-two ten. You know what happened to Job? His his family died. His herds were gone. His income left. His house was blown down. And then after Job had prayed for his friend, had anybody ever read the book of Job? How many don't want Job's friends? Have you ever been having a bad time? Here come your friends. Well, Job, you must have sinned somehow for God to do all this to you. Boy, that helped, didn't it? You know, you're in a hospital bed. Four IVs hooked up on a breathing machine. And the prayer team comes. Brother Job, I believe the Lord's punishing you. I believe that that if, you know, boy, that helped, didn't it? You know, you're over there. Uh, 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 you can't, you know, you're dying. Here comes your friend. You sin. 
Something's wrong with you. If you had enough faith, you'd get up out of that bed right now. I'd pull that breathing tube out and say, if you had enough faith, you'd raise me up out of this bed right now. Put it back in. You do something about it. But what did he say? You're going to have some people like that in your life sometimes. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? They think they're religious, but they wouldn't know God if he sat on their lap. Come on, now listen to me. So, 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 what happened? And after Job did what? Prayed. For who? Those knuckleheads. After. You know, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for those who despitefully use us. Bless those who curse us. Ooh, sometimes you just got to be a big girl or a big boy. Come on. Anybody ever said I'm talking about? How many want restoration? Do you know unforgiveness may rob you of the greatest restoration of your life? Look at this. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. Dear God, twice as much. But that was after. Someone say after. See that timing word? Not before, but after. You know what? I just believe. How many want restoration? There's some people you just need to pray for. You need to let go and just pray for them. In fact, this is the theory. We're going to do it right now. Come on. You already know who I'm talking about. I don't need to, you don't need to worry. You've been thinking about them the whole time I've been talking right now. I want you to pray for them. Pastor, what do you mean? How many want rest- restoration? I want you to pray right now. I want you to say their name to God. Watch what You ready? Let's pray right now. Let's pray. See how quiet it is? I knew it was good. They did that in the 9 o'clock service too on me. You don't want people to hear that name, but God hears you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless those who cursed us. We pray for those who despitefully used us. And where they spoke evil, we speak good. God, we forgive. And we pray for them today. Release them from the things that have caused them to be that person in my life. Release them from their pain and, their, and, and the things that have broken them. I pray and bless them today in the name of Jesus. And God, I, de- I decree and release a double portion over this room right now in the name of Jesus. How many received that? Say amen. Okay, listen, i got to bring this to a close. Uh, um, Go to Zechariah 9.12. Look at this. Zechariah 9.12. Zechariah 9.12. It's two, it's two references from here up. Got me? Zechariah 9.12. It's coming. Say it's coming. There it is. Look. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. How many will be a prisoner of hope? I want to be a prisoner of hope. So I'm locked up in hope. Anybody locked up in hope? Come on. Watch that. Even now, I announce that I will do what? Restore twice as much to you. Come on. Look at Psalm 41 3. Psalm 41 3. Psalms 41 3. Let's look at this. Look at this. The Lord sustains them on their sick bed. He what? Restores them from their bed of illness. God will restore your health. God will restore your fortune. God will restore your marriage. God will restore your hope. God will give you better friends. God will bless you. God will bring back everything the enemy's stolen out of your life. Come on, stand with me, worship team. Come and join me real quick. Come on, stand. Don't leave. Stand. Two different things. Stand. Come on, I want to pray with you right now. I want to pray. I want to pray. I want to pray. Come on, right now. Something huge. I want to pray restoration over you. Put Galatians 6 1 up, please, while they're coming. Galatians 6 1. How many want God to do restoration in your life in all these categories? If we receive it, are you with me, church? We have to release it. Look at this. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, what do we do? Drag them in front of the church? Humiliate them? Judge them? Throw them out? What does this say? You who do what? Live by what? Because, see, we've been restored by his work, haven't we? And we're being restored. 
Restore that person. Do what? Wow. Now God wants us to act like him. Restore that person. And how do we do it? Look at this. Gently. Man. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Guys, we, we're, we're in the midst of an amazing moment in the life of this church. I'm going to tell you, in the last three weeks, God's doing something better than he's ever done before. Anybody with me right now? God wants to show himself real to this skeptical culture. This culture may be mad at God, but God's not mad at them. Aren't you thankful about that? You can be mad at God today. I'm going to get some good news. He's not mad at you. We have three medically documented miracles. This isn't just talk. Three. Three in the last two weeks. Three. A young man in our church, a young husband and father, 43 years old. Look at the trap of the devil. His father died at the age of 43 with a cerebral aneurysm. This young man goes to the doctor because of headaches and they find an aneurysm in his brain like his father at the same age. Prayer is given. And he goes back and they do the most intricate digital MRI. I don't know if I got the right word. Test you can do. And the doctor walks out and says, I have no explanation, but that aneurysm is completely gone. Documented. We just sent Presley and Thea Watson to the Philippines as they're ministering there. She was having some health problems before they left. And we have the sonogram of a large mass in her abdominal area, easily seen. The condition continued even after going to the Philippines. They go to the hospital in Manila. They travel to have further tests done because they're getting ready to go on these big crusades. And there's this problem. She felt something had shifted and changed in her body through the prayer of God's people. God's restoring power. He'll restore you from your bed of illness. And they go in for the next x-ray. I have them. I wish I, I, I had them. I, they sent them to me. And here's the new x-ray, the new MRI. And there's the area where the mass had been on the other one. And there's absolutely nothing there. Nothing there. Completely healed. Completely gone. Another young woman in this church, still in her 20s, her doctor's visit says, there's cancerous cells. We're going to have to give you a hysterectomy. You'll never have the ability to have another child. We've got to save your life. Cancer's present. This is this week. She goes back for the next doctor visit. <laughs> and every test and every biopsy and everything they can do. I don't have an answer for you, ma'am, but there's no cancer in your body. You're cancer-free completely gone Joe wave at me over here Joe begs this man has his one year anniversary his was it an x-ray you showed me MRI do what PET scan dear God his chest and abdomen was black on the PET scan from tumors Unbelievable. He's got another one right beside him that's clear like yours and mine. And the doctor said only God can do this thing. A year later. Yesterday at the Dream Center, 
Decatur Dream Center. They're praying for people. There's a little lady they've been praying for. She used to come in on a walker, just praying for her. Now she comes in on a cane. She's still got this leg not working. But one of our ladies had a word of knowledge that there was a lady that Pastor Emilio would be praying for with a leg problem. With a problem when the leg was in her neck. There's some, the, the, the nerves being pinched and the legs had no problem. So through the word of knowledge, they prayed for the problem in the neck. And the leg's well. And she's happy and doesn't have the cane and moving around. And what, what am I saying? What am I saying? I'm saying God's restoring. I'm saying God's restoring. I'm saying that when the, the word of God says when sin abounds, when a culture goes mad, where sin abound, God does much more abound. Grace abound. I'm telling you, I believe, instead of being intimidated or afraid or shook up about where we are in America today, I believe the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro around the earth looking for a place to show himself strong on their behalf. I believe God's going to rise up and do things like we have never seen. And we've seen a lot. But if I'm watching the thermometer of signs, wonders, miracles, and restoration, something is ticking up in the kingdom. The culture's ticking down, but God is ticking up. The atmosphere is going to shift. God's going to change. We're going to have to, st- we're going to, have to uh, stop arguing and start demonstrating the glory of God. God's just going to show up. You're here today and you're not well yet. God is still the God who is faithful. Hey, you may be next. Come on. Believe with me. Pray with me.